0: Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at newhopechurch.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy.
1: Alrighty, i want to say a big welcome to everybody at our 288 campus our friendswood campus our alvin campus our webster campus and everybody who is joining us online from all over the place so great to be with you on super bowl weekend when the texans will finally take the title (laughs) amen (laughs) not the cowboys not the cowboys um anyway i'm glad that you're here last week we started a series of lessons where we're exploring the armor of the lord and if Uh, You want to follow along today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, although I will be using some additional verses as we get further into the sermon today. But uh, uh, this series uh, we're calling Battle Ready. And last week, Pastor John took us through the introductory verses that lead up to the list of pieces of armor that you need to have on if you indeed want to be battle ready. In fact, in the very two verses of this section of scripture, Ephesians chapter six, beginning verse ten. The very first two verses of this section, uh, we are told our responsibility, and uh, then we're also told God's goal for us. So we have our responsibility, and God's goal for us. In verse ten, I'll show you what I mean. The Apostle Paul writes and says, "Finally, be strong." So, so there you go. Something we're supposed to do, right? But not in our own power. How are we supposed to be strong? In the Lord and in His mighty power. So it's not about us, it's about what God has for us. It's about us putting on the power of the Lord. And we do that when we put on His armor. God's, listen to me, God's got the strength you need for every battle. You don't have it on your own, God's got it for you, though. But it's up to us to be strong in the Lord. And uh, the Apostle Paul continues with this sort of metaphor as he tells us to get dressed up and be ready for battle. Uh, Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So our responsibility then is to put on God's strength by putting on his full armor. The goal is that we stand and that we remain standing no matter what the devil throws at us. And just in case you were wondering, And and maybe you haven't noticed this, but it is true. The devil is in attack mode 24-7 all the time. All the time we're under attack. And I don't have to tell some of you that because you know that all too well. But every day we're under attack. And even if you don't realize it, if you're a child of God, you're under attack. And uh, and, uh, even though sometimes it might feel like we're in a battle with other people, we're not. We're not. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against human beings, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So sometimes it feels like we're in a battle against other people, does it not? Does it not? Sometimes. Like the guy at work, that won't leave me alone, won't be quiet. It's it's the neighbor down the street, it's the guy at the box store, or the the lady who kind of lost her mind and said some things to me, or or it's happened to me on the way to church on Thursday night. I was coming to church to preach this sermon and um, <clears throat> I was doing as I always do on my way to church. I was going over my sermon, I'm preaching it, which is why I ride alone to church because nobody wants to hear that, right baby? Nobody wants to hear the sermon before the sermon. <laughs> So I'm, I'm driving to church and, and uh, I'm preaching. I get to this part right here and I'm saying, uh, for our battle is not against flesh and blood. And as I'm saying these things, a, a big rock truck is coming down the road and it comes over onto my side of the, the road, like halfway over. And uh, I, I quit preaching, and I turned and kind of went off of the road so, so that my tires were uh, in the grass along the side of the road and went around him. And as I did, I went, whoa, fella! And I, I looked at him, and, and uh, there may be some who would say, well, that was the devil trying to kill you so you couldn't preach this sermon. But I looked, and it wasn't the devil. It wasn't. <laughs> and it, it was a guy who wasn't paying attention, okay? Okay. And and sometimes we think, well, this, this person, they're like, the devil is after me. Well, the devil is interested in how you respond to the person. See, it's not the person. We're not in a battle against the person. We're in a battle against the devil. And he uses each and every situation as a setup. He's trying to get us to respond incorrectly. And to trip us up in every situation so that he can knock us down, to say things that we will regret, to try to get revenge, and on and on that list goes. So what do we do? Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to, here's the goal again, what is it? To stand. stand. That's the goal that God has for us. God wants us, no matter what the devil's throwing at us, he wants us to be able to stand and and we can stand with God's help and with his armor on. And, and then in the next verses, Paul, Paul begins to list the pieces of armor that you and I have to put on, have to put on. And if you remember last week when... Paul wrote this letter. Um, uh, Pastor John talked about this, that he was in Roman custody he 's in Roman custody. so uh, more than likely he would have been very familiar with the armor of a Roman soldier because he more than likely more than likely was in, was at least in the room with the Roman soldier, maybe even chained to a Roman soldier, but he 's very close to one, and so this is not the Apostle Paul writing to us going. Uh, put on the full armor of the Lord. Uh, once upon a time, I saw a Roman soldier and I was taken back by the pieces of his armor. No, this is real time, real time. He can see this as he writes. And by the way, I have included on the digital listening guide today an article that explains the close proximity that a prisoner would have had, Paul, specifically with a Roman soldier at that time. There's also a discussion guide for you and your family or you and your life group. If you want to gain access to that today, you can text that number right there. But um, I want you to picture the scene. The Apostle Paul's in chains. He's got some ink. He's got some, uh, some sort of writing instrument. And under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he writes about the different pieces of armor while looking at a Roman soldier, which is why, which is why in case you were wondering, we have a mannequin in the lobby at each one of our campuses, a, a mannequin, which I will begrudgingly admit today, uh, is kind of feminine. He's kind of feminine. But um, just to be real honest, they don't have uh, uh, dad bod sorts of mannequins. They may, but we could not find a dad, although that's probably not as impressive as I'm thinking right now in my mind. But uh, so so we went with what we could get. But I have in, a, in an attempt to man him up a little bit, given him a manly name. It is the name of my favorite actor, Denzel. So Denzel is in the lobby at your campus and... He's there because I want you to see all of the pieces of the armor so that this teaching goes deep into your heart and into your mind and into your memory. In fact, every piece of armor has a, uh, a yellow dot on it. And I, I will say this, is supposed to have a yellow dot on it. And here's why I say this, because we set up all the mannequins, put the yellow dots on them, and then came back for church and all the yellow dots were gone. And I think someone thought it was a mistake and I love our church family how you're so proactive. <laughs> And you're going to help right the wrongs and so forth. And anyway, the yellow dots were gone. So we replaced the yellow dots. And I just want to say to whoever is so helpful, thank you. But leave them up this time, okay? Leave them up this time. And... um, and so that's where you can see the, the different pieces. And here you look here, and, and this is the helmet, obviously. And, and here's what I want. I, I don't want you to go and visit Denzel and, like, take your kids and go, see that dot? That's a, that's a helmet, kids. They know that. They know that. What is it biblically from Ephesians chapter 6? It's the helmet of salvation. It's not just a breastplate. This is the breastplate of righteousness. And as we do this, as we recall these things, as we... Look at the Roman soldier. I want these things uh, to to dig down deep in your memory. I want you to be able to recall what these pieces are and what they mean in your life. And the reason we're doing this is because the Apostle Paul is doing this. And not that you're Paul, but I want you to have this kind of visual aid in your life for this series Because every day when you get up and you put your literal clothes on, I want you to be able to put your spiritual armor on as well and do a checklist so that you can be battle ready. Hence, Denzel in the lobby. Um, Now, here's what Paul instructs us to do. Uh, uh, Put on the full armor of the Lord so we can stand our ground. Go goal is to stand, and then he gets specific with what the armor is. He says in verse 13, stand firm then with thee, say it with me, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So Paul begins, in my humble opinion, with a piece of armor that doesn't even seem like a piece of armor. In fact, when I was growing up, I grew up in church, and so whenever they talk about the belt, I'm like, this is kind of lame. A belt, a belt, a belt. That's not armor. That's a belt. That's a belt. I didn't understand it. And I always thought if I was making the list, I probably would have started with a piece of armor that was a little cooler, like the sword. Let's start with the sword. And, uh, and uh, I remember uh, when I was quite young playing war with my friends in the neighborhood. I didn't grow up in a violent neighborhood, so put that the rest in your mind right now. But... <laughs> We would play war, so it would be a lot of us, and we would, you know, this team on that side of the yard or in that neighbor's yard, and this team over here, and then we would run at each other and act like we're fighting and so forth. And and, uh, never once when it was time for battle did I say, wait, wait, let me go get a belt. (laughs) That makes no sense, does it? And so it didn't make sense to me. That the Apostle Paul, when he starts talking about the pieces of armor that you and I have to put on, that he would say, yeah, make sure you got the belt on. Very first thing, put the belt on. But as you're about to see today, and I hope this makes a difference in your life today, the belt is of vital importance. Why? Because if you're taking notes, the belt is important because it supported a soldier's back. It supported a soldier's back. I don't know about you, but if I stand for long periods of time, my back hurts. Anybody else feel me? Okay, yeah, so, and I know there's probably chiropractors today that are going, I know your problem, and uh, <laughs> you've got bad posture, and you need to stretch out your legs and all that. And I've, Dr. Shane's told me that many times. But anyway, uh, I can barely shop with my wife for 30 minutes, and she'll attest to this, without my back hurting me. And uh, she kind of makes fun of me, just so you know. Because she says, You can work in the yard all day long. You can go golfing for five hours. Your back's fine. You go shopping with me and you're out. You know, you're on the old man bench after 15 minutes. But it is true. It's something the Lord has given me and I use it to my advantage. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Just saying, so, uh, but uh, oftentimes my back does hurt when, I, when I'm uh, working and uh, when I'm up for a long time. So I have one of these. I was wearing this a uh, week before last when I was digging holes in my front yard. Anybody else familiar with a belt like this? You take this and you strap it around there, and man, does that feel good right now. <laughs> Golly, it slims me too. Look at it slimming. <laughs> like Spanx. Um So anyway, I often will wear something like this because it just gives me more support in the core and and, uh, enables me to work without my back being so sore. You can stand a little bit longer when you have something supporting your back, and Denzel in your lobby also has a belt, but the belt is covered up by the breastplate, which is period correct, which we'll talk about uh, more next week, but... Uh, I peeled back the breastplate so that I could take a picture of his, uh, really, it's a fake belt, but it, the belt, and it's kind of pretty accurate, more than likely, and it's huge. It's huge. It's just like this, just like the belt that I just had on. Um, but uh, but uh, it's not to hold up your pants. That's not why they wore it. In fact, if you notice, our guy, he's, Denzel's not wearing pants um, because they did not wear pants back in the day. Uh, they wore tunics, which is a one-piece a piece of clothing that went from your shoulders down to about your knees, common as jeans, uh, more common than jeans back in the day. So they didn't need to wear a big old belt. You don't need that big belt to keep your tunic up. No, you don't need that. Uh, So why did they wear a belt? Because the belt supported the soldier's back, which is why a belt was less like this when we think of belts. And this is what I always thought of when I was thinking of a soldier's belt. And that's why it threw me off. The soldier's belt was less like this and more like this, which I just want to apologize for using my own picture. I'm from the gym, but it's all I had, so I just went with it. But uh, it's a massive belt to support your core. You think about standing on your feet on duty for 10 or 12 or 16 hours. Standing guard, this enabled them to do it. And, uh, and you can see why now Paul started the text with Put on the belt of truth, put on the belt of truth, because it supported the soldier's back so that he could stand. That's the goal. And then something else that the belt did for soldiers is it carried the weight of the armor. It carried the weight of the armor. If somebody handed me a 50-pound weight in the middle of nowhere and said, walk with this for 10 miles, I'm going to confess that it would be very difficult for me. Uh, My spaghetti arms wouldn't be able to take it. My back would be history. Um, I would get it done, but it would probably... Involve Uber, but uh, just being honest. But there's an easier way to carry heavy items than with your arms. And uh, that is by carrying those items um, with the strongest and largest muscles in your body. And uh, strongest, people argue that your jaw would be the strongest, but I'm going to say the largest and strongest muscles in your body, which are below your belt and specifically your legs, very specifically your butt and your thighs, largest and strongest bones in your entire muscles in your entire body. And uh, I can remember once I went uh, hiking in Colorado and, and uh, each one of us in our group was required to carry at least 50 pounds at least 50 pounds on our backpack. And that we did this by weighing all of our backpacks and trading things around. And uh, uh, the backpack looks a lot like this, hiking backpacks. And there's just a little stand on here with some straps. so You can strap all kinds of things behind here. The tent, your sleeping gear, um, food, the stuff you're going to cook with, on and on the list goes of things that you're going to want on the back here, but then the shoulder straps go around your shoulders, and the big old belt goes around your waist, and I will confess to you today that it worked. It worked. Um, We hiked for 10 miles to the base camp for Mount Huron in Colorado, and um, if you look at the trail map, and you can Google it to check me, it says toward the end of the uh, hike, it is strenuous, and I, again, will confess today that that is true as well. It was strenuous. Base camp was at about 10,000 feet right over here in these trees and uh, Mount Huron up here. And so we hiked in from way over this direction and up, 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 gaining altitude as we went. And uh, as we gained altitude, uh, the air got lighter and my pack got heavier, but we all made it. And um, if you've ever done anything like this, then you know exactly how it works. Uh, the way a backpack works is it transfers all of the weight uh, uh, of what's on your back to your hips, where the belt is tied very tightly, just sits on top of your hips. The shoulder straps don't pull down on your shoulders. The shoulder straps are there just to keep your pack from falling backwards. So the weight is not on your upper body. The weight is on your lower body, on your legs, uh, made possible by the belt. And I would argue that if you did not have a belt on your backpack, you wouldn't make it. Or you would make it for very long. And... And the, here again is why I believe that the Apostle Paul starts with the belt when he's telling us to put on the full armor of the Lord because, because the belt not only supported the uh, soldiers back and gave them support in their cord, also carried the weight of the armor. You're going to see this in the coming weeks as we go through this text, that all the pieces of the armor, with the exception of the shoes, could be attached to the belt and carried for long distances the breastplate specifically, which we'll talk about next week's, uh, so I'm not going to talk about it much. But they say that it more than likely weighed about 70 pounds front and back. It weighed 70 pounds, but it did not ride on the shoulders of the soldiers as as would be our guess probably. It the weight of it rode on the belt, which shows you that without the belt, these guys would not have been able to stand long for a long time. And remember, that's the goal. That we remain standing even after the devil has thrown everything that he can at us. And again, now you see why it makes perfect sense that the Apostle Paul starts with something that I once upon a time saw as of little importance. Now, obviously, the belt is a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Uh, the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is not saying, if you're a Christian, you must wear a belt. That's not what he's saying. He's saying. The the belt is a metaphor for something, and that something is what? We already read it. It's what? Truth. So God is asking us to put on truth, to wrap truth around us, because without truth, we're not battle-ready. Now, if you're taking notes, how does the belt of truth get us battle-ready? First of all, it stabilizes our life. It stabilizes our life. Truth is the core stabilizing piece of armor that we must, we must strap on. Now remember, God's goal for us is that we stand and that we stand strong and that we remain standing. And, but if you don't know the truth or you don't operate in the truth, you're in constant danger of falling down even before the battle begins. Last week, Pastor John reminded us that our enemy, the devil, twists the truth and he lies to us. And let's just do a little pop quiz here midway through the sermon. How, how, what percentage of time does the devil lie to us? What percentage? What percentage? all the time, 24-7, the devil's lying, lying, lying. Every single day we're greeted with lies, we're bombarded with lies. In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says this about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Jesus is kind of making it funny here, but really making a point. When his lips are moving, he's lying, because that's all he does, is he lies, for he's the father of lies. So uh, here's the deal. His scheme is this. He's just going to lie and lie and lie. All the lies in the world, all the lies that we see right now originate with him. He's lying lying and lying some more so that you and I will start to loosen and to take off the belt of truth. And when we do that, we won't be able to stand. We're not going to make it through the battle. Now I know that you know this. I know, and, and, but I'm going to say it anyway because, just because. The lies are getting louder. The lies are getting louder, in our world today. And uh, part of that is because all of culture is joining together to repeat the lies, and uh, all of the social media platforms they ban what they don't, you know, want and uh, their truth truth committees and so forth throw out uh, oftentimes the truth in favor of the narrative that's out there. So the, all the media platforms, all the social media platforms, every commercial, uh, every program on TV, and a lot of our music everywhere we look, repeating the lies over and over again, designed to get us to loosen up the belt of truth so that we'll be unable to stand. I could have... I could, we could just start right here. and I could give you hundreds of examples to reinforce what I'm saying right now. I'm just going to give you one today. Just one, okay? Two weeks ago, Apple introduced this emoji. It's called the pregnant man emoji. And, uh, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I need to say this in church, but I'm going to say it because the church may be the last place where you hear the truth. So I'm going to say it. That's a lie. Men can't get pregnant. Men can't get pregnant. And if you're thinking, oh, you're being hateful, Pastor. No, I'm not. I'm just being truthful. I'm just being truthful. But we live in a day where culture says if truth or facts make somebody uncomfortable, then it's not truth. It's not truth. Or if all the important people agree on something, then it's truth. No, no, no. Truth is truth. And it doesn't matter how it makes us feel. Doesn't matter what we might want, doesn't matter how many people agree, doesn't matter if there's a consensus among leading scientists or leading doctors or news anchors or truth committees on social media, only truth is truth. And this is just one example of hundreds of lies that we're being told each and every day to try to get us to take off the belt of truth. But I'm just going to tell you, once you start falling for the lies that are out there and you start loosening up that belt, you're not going to be battle ready. You're not going to be battle ready. Instead, we're going to be easy prey. Jesus said this about the truth. He says, if you hold on to my teaching, uh, you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I heard recently, and it's Sort of disturbing that 30-plus percent of millennials, and I believe it is Gen Z, now believe that something can be truth for me, but not be truth for someone else. In other words, truth is relative. relative. And uh, again, I'll just say it. That's not true. That's not true. Truth is truth. Truth is truth. And I'm concerned about our society. But listen, I am so encouraged by the student ministry of our church. I don't know if you know this, but our student ministry is taking 641 teenagers to camp in a couple of weeks. 641 kids. And it's kind of an odd number 641. Why 641? Because the camp won't fit any more people, and we have kids on the waiting list. And I'm so thrilled that they're going to go there and they're going to get the truth. Praise God for that, and Lord, please continue continue to use our church family to raise the next generation so that they know the truth. And truth is truth for everyone. Truth is truth for everyone, and you take the laws of nature, for instance. Um, they're true for everybody, like the law of gravity. That is true for everybody. It doesn't matter what somebody feels. I feel like that's not fair because I'm heavier than everybody else, and so I don't think that's... <laughs> fair i am uh, not going to abide by that i'm not going to believe that i do not believe in gravity i i don't believe in it well they can say that all day long but it doesn't change the fact that it's true if they were to go to the top of a building and start to step off everybody watching would know what's going to happen next it does not matter what you believe about the truth truth is truth and just like there are laws of nature there are also spiritual laws that we cannot ignore and uh Here I'll give you one right now. It's in the next point, actually. Everything in your life is connected to what you believe. Everything in your life is connected to what you believe. Every attitude, every thought, every decision, every uh, word that comes out of your mouth, it's all connected to what you believe. And just like the soldier's belt would carry the weight of their armor, everything in your life. Rest on what you believe. Therefore, if you start to take off the belt of truth and believe the lies, you are unstable at your core and you will not stand because of the weight of everything around you. So the Apostle Paul, again, was right to begin with the belt of truth because only truth stands the test of trials and time. Am I going to believe the truth of God or am I going to believe the lies that Satan has has flooded into our world. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us he's always on the prowl. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Again, that's the goal, that we stand firm. Allow me to, to give what, might, what some might consider a little bit of tough love right now. If you are stuck in sin, like you got a sin that you just keep going back to and you're stuck with or stuck in, here's what's happening. You're believing a lie. That's it. You're believing a lie instead of the truth of God. You're believing a lie. Um, If I do this, I'll feel better. If I do this, no one will know. If I do this, it doesn't have any consequences. If I take this, it'll be okay because I deserve this. If I dwell on this thought, if I uh, have this affair, if I get this revenge, I'll feel better. My life will be better. Only to wake up and find yourself in bondage to a sin that is leading you toward destruction. I've had people come to me and say, I'm struggling with this particular sin. Will you pray for me? And I'm I hesitate to tell you what I'm about to tell you because I kind of let the cat out of the bag. But maybe if it helps somebody today, that will be worth it. But often when someone will tell me that I'm struggling with this sin, will you please pray for me? I I do. And I pray something like this. I say, okay, uh, what's your name? And, And let's bow our heads and pray. And I say, Lord, make them miserable. All day long, make them miserable. Every day until they wake up and they repent. And they get on the right track and give their hearts completely to you, Lord. Make it happen, God, please. And then in Jesus' name, amen. And uh, more than once as I have lifted my head, I've been greeted with uh, eyes that are very wide because you could tell the expectation was some different prayer than the one that I had prayed. And, but that's okay. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that sets us free. There's one guy in particular who's, who I love, whose family I love. They went to our church for a long time, and now they live in the San Antonio area. And, and um, one of those occasions, he comes to me and says, I'm struggling with this sin, and would you pray for me? And, and uh, I don't think he would mind me telling you that his was alcoholism, and he's he an alcoholic, and so he said, would you pray? It's messing everything up. It's messing. And I, I prayed one of those kinds of prayers, but before I did, I just took my finger and I pounded on his chest, and I said, Dude, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your family. You're losing the respect of your kids. You're going to lose your job. Is it worth it for your drink? No, it's not. Get your life straightened out. That I prayed one of those prayers, and same deal. He just kind of was a little bit shocked, as I remember, and just turned and walked out. And I was like, Lord, please use that honesty for that guy's good. Well, guess what? Every year now for 10 or 12 years, uh, every year, about the same time, he contacts me, he or his wife, and thanks me for that day. Because he hasn't had a drink since. He hasn't had a drink since. And I'm not taking the credit for that. I'm going to let God and truth take the credit for that. That um, if you get honest with yourself, if you get honest with yourself, that the, that the truth of God can come in and it can do what only the truth of God can do and that is to set you free from whatever's got you. Now, you don't need me to pound in your chest to get it right. Um, you can be honest with yourself. Where's this behavior taking me? Where's this, where's this anger taking me? Where's this bitterness taking me? Where's this hate that I feel toward this person taking me or this lust that I'm struggling with or this sexual sin that I've involved and where's it taking me and if you are really really honest really really honest with yourself you can do the spiritual math and you can figure it out that sin ends in your destruction Satan is a liar he's a thief and he wants to steal to kill and to destroy and that's the road that he wants to put you on and sin and you giving into it really is believing a lie but here's what's awesome about this exercise of being honest before God and honest with yourself, is that it does not end with, I'm an idiot for believing the life and my life has no hope, no. This is where hope begins. When you get honest with yourself and with God, that's where truth begins. That's, and, and truth points you to Jesus, is number three, who is truth, who is truth. Only, only Jesus, can save. But praise God, he wants to save. He wants all of us to know him. He wants all of us to be forgiven of our sins. Other religions, and uh, we talked about this back during our Q&A series, but every other world religion says you got to do good works, you got to do good works, you got to do good works, and then maybe God will love you. Maybe God will forgive you. Maybe he'll let you into whatever version of the afterlife these other religions have. Maybe, maybe if you do enough good, so other religions say do, but Jesus came to this world, died on the cross, and said, "Done, done." He gave his life on the cross to pay for your sins and mine, so that we could be forgiven. And um, I'm just saying today is as, as Christians we don't we don't follow some religious system; we follow Jesus. In other words. Christianity isn't some theory or concept that's difficult to figure out. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And he said it this way about himself. He said in John chapter 14, I am the way and the what? (laughs) Truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So while the lies of the devil try to get us to abandon the truth of God And while other religions try to go around that truth and get us to try to reach up to God, Christianity shows us the love of God in that God would reach down to us by sending his only begotten Son to be our Savior. And somebody in church today just needs to say, I am done with the lies. I'm done. I'm done with the lies. And from now on, I'm going to follow Jesus. And if that's you and you're making that decision today, I'm just going to tell you something about that decision. You will never, ever, ever regret it. Somebody say amen if you believe that. You'll never regret it. For all of history, you'll never regret that decision. And some of us, maybe, who already know Jesus, maybe we've gotten a little lazy when it comes to the truth and we've started to loosen up that belt of truth and... Maybe for us, we need to once again make a commitment to strap on and tighten up the belt of truth so that we can be battle ready. I want you to take your communion cup out with me right now. All of our campuses and those who are joining us online. And uh, you can see the bread there on one side of the cup. If you can just peel back that uh, cover there and take out the piece of bread and then just hold it for just a moment. Um, the bread represents Jesus' body broken for us. The juice represents his blood. Jesus says, whenever you eat of the bread and drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. So we're remembering what he did for us today in his sacrifice for us, for our salvation. And uh, we also have this teaching from Scripture that before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we're supposed to take a few moments and examine ourselves. And so at all of our campuses, we're just going to take just a few moments here for you to spend some alone time with God. And, um, and during this time, if you have not accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross of Calvary, do it. Invite Jesus in. Invite him to be your Lord and Savior. And if you've already done that, then during this few moments of silence, get right with God. If there's something in your life, if you're, if you've started to loosen the belt of truth, if there's something that you need to confess to God, something that you need to repent of, do so now. Now's the time. And let's get right with God before we take the communion emblems together. Would you bow with me, please?
0: You are already prepared for communion. If you haven't had a chance, I'm going to encourage you to do so now. Go ahead and grab those crackers and juice or uh, whatever you've got, bread and water, whatever you've got. Um, The elements don't necessarily matter as much as what they represent. But we want to continue to just take a moment to reflect on ourselves as Scripture tells us to do so that we can be ready as we remember what Jesus did for us. So I'm going to take just a couple of moments to give you the opportunity to reflect. Bread represents Jesus' broken body. The juice represents his spilt blood. He did all the hard work so that you and I could have a right relationship with God so that we could be forgiven. And so we're going to celebrate that right now by taking communion together. So if you would, go ahead and eat the bread at this moment. And now we're going to go ahead and drink the juice together. Once again, if you haven't had the opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and friend, we want to help you to do that. You can make that decision by just writing it out in the chat or you can go ahead and uh, text the word prayer once again to 642-123. Just text prayer to 642-123. And we would be glad to lead you to that decision. Uh, Once again, we're so glad that you joined us for part two of Battle Ready. Man, I hope that this week that you get up and you put on the belt of truth before you head out into the world. Let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God in heaven, we're just so thankful uh, for your son, Jesus. We know that he is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so I pray, God, that uh, this week uh, that we would be in your word, that we would be seeking you through truth, that we would ignore the lies that are out there in the world, and that we would be battle ready to stand firm because we know you and we know the truth. It's in Jesus' name that I pray and ask all of these things. Amen you enjoyed the podcast we encourage you to subscribe share it with friends and family or let us know by tagging us at new hope church tv on social media we would love to connect with you thanks for listening